Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, I'm speaking with Shanice Farkerson, a significant new alternatives policy program coordinator for the Stratospheric Protection Division, Office of Atmospheric Programs for the Environmental Protection Agency. Shanice, that's one of the longest introductions I've done. <laughs> I know. Hi, Tony. The a significant new alternatives program is probably better known as SNAP to most of us out in the industry, and Shanice has done a presentation bringing everyone up to speed at the Mobile Air Conditioning Society training and trade show here in Nashville. Shanice, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tony. Let's go over a little bit about what you told the gathered professionals here. Any new changes that we should know about from the EPA? Right. So for my presentation, I covered three sections of the Clean Air Act Title VI uh, regulations, Section 608, 609, and 612. Mm-hmm. So for 608, we're in the process of finalizing a rule that revises certain provisions that are related to the 2016 rules extension of the requirements of appliances that contain substitute refrigerants. Right. So that was the major update for 608. Mm-hmm. For Section 609, I wanted to just remind folks that one of the major provisions of the requirements is that technicians have to be EPA certified, trained and certified, and use refrigerant handling equipment that's approved by EPA. Mm-hmm. So that was my main message there. And also that for three of the SAE standards for YF surfacing equipment, we are proposing a rule to incorporate by reference those three standards. So we currently don't have any equipment that are EPA approved for YF listed on our website. Mm. And so that's the, the goal of that proposal. Have you noticed from a governmental regulatory perspective, how has the conversion to the YF1234 gone? I mean, is it, is it actually delivering the results that we had hoped with respect to use within the industry and at the manufacturing level? I think the latest data we saw, it was about, what, 60% mm-hmm. of the OEMs have transitioned their newer models mm-hmm. to use YF. So we are continuing to see the OEMs transition from 134A to YF. Mm. And your comments about the 609 certification are well taken. I know the Mobile Air Conditioning Society provides actually a free training course here during the show. Right. I, I got certified here a couple of years ago. Well, there you go. Actually, and I, I actually have been 609 certified through Max okay. from the very beginning of the program. I won't talk about how long ago that was, okay? <laughs> but actually, I think it's important that the industry understands some of the penalties that you can face if they're not certified. What are the penalties these days if you get caught? Well, it depends, right? So our folks in the Office of Enforcement and Compliance mm-hmm. look at cases, on, it's on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. So there is a daily fine, but it's, it's looked at on a case-by-case basis. Either way, it's a real good idea to get your people certified. Yes, trained and certified and use approved um, equipment for the refrigerant that's intended for use in the MVAC system. Okay. And I know uh, you'd mentioned 608. That's the stationary air conditioning stuff. Right, right. But there are some provisions that apply to MVAC um, servicing. Oh, really? Right. So there's no venting of refrigerant, Mm -hmm. right? So that's not allowed. Right. There's a sales restriction. So only 608 or 609 certified refrigerant technicians are allowed to purchase refrigerant. Okay. Unless they're exempt. Mm -hmm. And then 
as always, refrigerant has to be disposed of prior to disposing of the equipment. Has to be recycled. Has to be recovered. Yeah. And talking a little bit about the 1234YF machinery. Mm-hmm. That you said you're working through certifying a couple of units, any particular brand or, or model that you're looking at? Well, we're not certifying the equipment. Mm-hmm. So the for the 609 program, we incorporate by reference the SAE standard that cover the safety right. and the use of the equipment. Okay. Right. So there are three that are particularly tailored to the the use of 1234A YF equipment. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking to incorporate by reference those three standards into the 609 regulations. Gotcha. One of the most important things I think that we want to consider when we're talking to our mobile technicians and and the shops involved is the uh, SNAP program. Right. Any changes to the significant new alternatives that we should know about? Any new refrigerants have been introduced? We continue to get submissions. Mm-hmm. And we actually just listed a notice 35 with about six new refrigerants for ref AC uses, refrigeration and air conditioning uses. Mm-hmm. None were for MVAC, but we do continue to get submissions for MVAC. Mm. And I think there was a presentation yesterday, John Wagner from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Right. They've worked with Camores and other companies, and they've actually submitted YF for the use in off-road heavy-duty vehicles. Oh. So that's one of the more recent submissions we've received for MVAC use. Gotcha. How many alternatives are there out there? Do you have any idea at this point? So for SNAP, we list the substitutes by end use. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of sectors. There are, there are seven sectors, and within those se- sectors, we have various end uses. The refrigeration and air conditioning sector definitely has a lot of end uses. Mm-hmm. And so we do receive a lot of submissions for refrigeration and air conditioning uses. Mm-hmm. We've reviewed since 1994 close to 500 substitutes. Okay. Yeah, we've reviewed a lot of substitutes over the years. The SNAP substitutes have to be recovered and recycled just as the other refrigerant. Yes. Okay, and there's no difference in the rules changes there or anything like that? No, but that's covered under the 608 program. Mm-hmm. So there is some overlap there with the 608, 609, and 612 mm-hmm. as far as refrigerant management is concerned. Is this your first time to Max? No, it's actually about my, even my fourth or fifth time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know we've met before. That's yeah. why I'm, I'm asking the question. Yeah, yeah. Anything on the horizon that isn't quite ready yet, where are we going on the regulatory front with the refrigerant? Any changes that you see coming down the road or any any new directions being discussed? As you know, there was a rule published in July of 2015 where we changed the listings of certain HFCs and HFC blends. Mm -hmm. In that rule, we listed 134A as unacceptable for use in starting in model year 2021 for light duty vehicles. And so that rule was challenged. And so we're now in the process of drafting a proposal that would address the court's decision on the remand of that July 2015 rule. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are in the rulemaking process for SNAP. Okay. But no other big changes you see in the immediate future for the no. most part. Okay. Any other areas of interest that you have seen perhaps that the industry should be aware of? It seems to have stabilized a lot on the refrigerant front. Would, you, mm-hmm. would that be your perception as well? 
Well, I do see, like over the years, I've seen the momentum picked up. There's momentum for use of YF and heavy-duty vehicles, mm-hmm. right? Off-road vehicles. Right. So I've definitely seen a lot more presentations here over the years. That's, um, And I think the use of 152A in mm. secondary loop systems, uh, that's something that's also being discussed and looked at. Mm-hmm. And so there's also talk about looking at next-generation refrigerations. So maybe propane and other hydrocarbons, right? Like CO? Yes, CO2. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I know that's been the point of contention for a lot of discussion within the industry. Right. But I was surprised to hear you say propane. I mean, usually it was a flammability issue. Have they addressed that or... I think that's something they'll need to consider. Yeah. Right. So the folks at IGST and um, some other folks have has some pro- have some projects in place looking at next gen refrigerants. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. But for the time being, the uh, at this point, I guess we can say good old one two three four YF is still the uh, refrigerant of choice. Right. And so one of the things I do want to clarify: the use of flammable refrigerants is not is currently not allowed mm-hmm. oh, for yeah, use in yeah. MVAX, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's, I want to make that clear. But yes, for the most part, 134A is is still being used, mm-hmm. right? But we do see that folks are transitioning to um, 1234YF for light-duty vehicles. I think it's fair to say the industry is going to take the path, I don't want to say a path of least resistance, but certainly the path of least expense when it comes to the manufacturing. And if they've already begun the transition to 1234YF, then uh, it seems logical that that would continue irrespective of any uh, regulatory restraints that may have been standing in the way. Mm-hmm. Do you have any feel for what percentage of vehicles are still using 134? I don't have the current data, but I think based on what I've heard is that I think about 60% of the newer model vehicles mm-hmm. are currently using 1234YF. Okay. I don't know the numbers for the current use of um, 134A, but... Short answer would be we're, we're well within the transition process. Yeah, yeah, I would say. Super. Well, Shanice, thank you. This has been wonderful. I know you have a plane to catch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> any final thoughts that you'd want to share or any uh, wisdom that you care to share? Just that we appreciate coming here every year and sharing what we're working on in EPA. We appreciate the working relationship we have with Max and Elvis and his staff mm-hmm. working with SAE. Elvis also helps out there, Angelo Patty, mm-hmm. Ward. We just appreciate sharing what we're working on, working with industry. We value and appreciate that relationship. Well, I have to tell you, I interviewed Elvis and Ward earlier talking about the 40th anniversary of Max, and I have been observing the organization over two careers now. At this point in time, when I first encountered Max, I was the editor of two of the national magazines, Mm -hmm. and I've kind of watched the organization almost grow up from the beginning, although I was not around in the very beginning. But one of the things I have noticed and, and commented on is the unique relationship that Max has developed with the EPA. Yes. And by extension, the federal government. It's yes. somewhat, uh, un- I don't want to say it's unusual, but it's certainly rare mm-hmm. to have that level of cooperation between the two. Yeah. Both entities have benefited from that, I believe, that relationship. As we started back in the 90s with the R12 phase out and, yes. the, and the re- retrofitting and all that stuff, Yes. we seem to have benefited as an industry, and I, and I hope as a society. Society and certainly is environmentally yep. from the good work that Max and EPA have done together. So we thank you for that. Thank you, Tony. And I commend you for the persistence. Wow, four years, we'll look for you in five. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we have been talking with Shanice Farkerson with the Environmental Protection Agency about the latest in SNAP and refrigerant policy, and along with some other things. Again, Sharice, thank you very much for your time. Okay, Tony. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Have a great day. 
I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.